What's up, guys? We are back, your high street freaks, with a, another episode of maybe your third favorite podcast. I think I'll I'll, I'll settle for third place in this case. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not. There's no delusions here, but we're glad you're here. We are here to talk about, against all odds, um, Ohio State men's basketball to start off. I think like we very much have a a stance on Ohio State men's basketball that is like. At least, at least we under the Chris, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, <laughs> the Chris Holtman regime is like, unless we are forced to talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. Essentially, um, unless they do something noteworthy, whatever. Like, and let's be honest, like the past like seven years, the program like hasn't really been worth talking about, and that's the entire damn point that Chris Holtman was fired in the middle of the season. Um, I mean, it was it was the obvious conclusion, right? Like. It, it makes complete sense. I actually like, I will say I, I do sincerely applaud the move to fire him in the middle of the season with a month left, because I was really worried that they were going to do the thing of just like letting him string it yeah, out a little while longer. And, you know, yeah, the young players yeah. start playing well after the games don't matter anymore. Yep. When they're, when they're not going to win anything. And then, Oh, well shit. He's got a lot of freshmen and sophomores looking really good. Maybe yep. it's, he's going to turn the corner this time. Come on, be serious. Well, and I really like that they were able to like they they pulled the string on it before he even had a chance to like do anything productive down the stretch as he usually does. Like, I mean, imagine had they kept him and um and like then they went ahead and had uh like beat Purdue. There's a decent chance they could have still beat Purdue with with Holtman or whatever. And then like they have a pretty easy stretch, like down the stretch win a few games, maybe make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, and it could be pretty easy to convince yourself, like, hey, you know, maybe he should stick around. But um, the, but they didn't even give give him the chance to do that. They pulled it, pulled the string early, um, and I, it was necessary. You know, I think all around, I think almost everybody agrees that it's necessary. Yeah, except for apparently, like, Jay Wright, Mike Krzyzewski, Tom Izzo. And, well, those guys are uh, dumbasses. Yeah, no other sport does that, right? Like football coaches know the drill. They're not out here saying like, oh, I didn't have time to build the program. It's like, well, you know, it is what it is. Like I Too couldn't bad. win. I'm Especially out. Especially because in fucking basketball, it doesn't take that long to build the program. You no, you need like two years. The roster. Yeah. Yeah. It was year seven. You know, I, I think I posted about it three years ago, but even if you want to discount the pandemic, which fine, whatever. No coach in Ohio state history had been allowed to go more than four years without either winning a Big Ten in the regular season or tournament or making a Sweet 16. You had to do one of those four things in the modern era, I think going back to like the 50s, in order to stay every four years in order to stay as Ohio State's head coach. Um, that's not the highest standard in the world. In fact, Ohio State's often been much better than that. But that is what the standard you know was as a bare minimum. And he couldn't meet the bare minimum, but he got a fucking extension for not meeting the bare minimum. And Gene Smith cost university an extra you know, 15 or $20 million where they needed to pay to get rid of them because of that. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I think we're, we're going to talk about this pretty at length, but like the whole issue with um, the whole issue with like this decision is Everybody seems to like say like, well, what do you expect? Like it's Ohio state. Like I, I see a lot of people who are just like downplaying what Ohio state basketball is it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And like, they're, they're like, well, Ohio state's a football program. It's hard to win at Ohio state. And it's like that completely ignores the historical, like sense of what Ohio state is, as a basketball program. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think that it, it is a complete misconstruing. Like did people just forget are the people who are making these arguments like have they only watched the past like 10 years of Ohio State basketball? Because like if that's your entire basis for your argument, then like, yeah, sure. Because late Mata and all of Chris Holtman was like took a back seat to football every year. And like I'm not right. saying that it's ever going to compete with football, but like at the height of the Mata era, like Ohio State basketball was awesome. Uh, you know, even before that, like I Ohio State was contending for Final Fours regularly. Like, I just think there's a a radical yeah, there, misunderstanding of what this program is. There are only uh, there are only 18 programs in the modern era, which is the tournament expansion that happened in '85, that have made as many or more Final Fours than Ohio State. So, like, worst case scenario, it's a top 20 program. 
Then you also look at the fact if you count for Final Fours, which Ohio State has three of since 85, tournament appearances, they have 22 in that period of, of 40 years, and conference titles, of which they have 14, um, there are only 10 programs that match or exceed Ohio State in all three of those categories. Um, that's, I, I mean, like, look, it's never going to be a blue blood or even a new blood, right? Like, that's a, it's it's not Villanova. It's not Kentucky. It's not Kansas. It's not it's not North Carolina or Duke. Um, but why can't it be a second-tier program? Like, like it, it has been yeah. for almost all of our history. Why can't it keep being that? I don't understand the argument that Ohio State has to be the second-tier program. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I'd even argue that the future at Ohio State with NIL and stuff like that is a lot brighter than the future at a lot of schools who yeah. maybe have been higher than Ohio State in a lot of areas. Like, I feel like, like I'm not again. I'm not going to say that basketball takes a back or doesn't take a backseat to football because it does. But as soon as football is over, you have a gigantic fan base that's like waiting to throw their support behind whatever the basketball team puts out there in January. And so, like, if you can be the biggest star for Ohio State, like. You can't tell me that Aaron Kraft wouldn't have made some solid NIL cash at Ohio State. Um, like Jared Sullinger, like those guys, like those guys are like Aaron Kraft is low key, like one of the most like famous Ohio State alums, like within Ohio, Ohio State's basketball or Ohio State sports community. You know, like he Aaron Kraft holds more weight than a lot of former football players, a lot of star football players. And so, like, yeah. it's it's totally possible for a guy to like make a name for themselves playing basketball at Ohio state. And so I just, I, I think it's the NIL opportunities, the way that it can set you up for the future. Like I, I don't want to discount what Ohio state is as a basketball program. And that's why I think just, it is insane to just look at what um, really just what, what Chris Holtman did slash didn't do in seven years. And um say like well what do you expect it's ohio state like that's that's not a realistic excuse i guess and the dude was out of excuses at this point because like what the hell i don't know he could not have had a better situation he got all of his players in his roster was filled with nothing but a hundred like top 100 players like i it, it was time and i think you even see that like I, I saw a podcast with uh that adam jardy did with David Lighty, Jared Sullinger, and Aaron Kraft, and basically all three of them were like, yeah, uh, it was time. Like, you know, and this was even before the Purdue win. Like, they were all just like, it, it was time. Like, it's, it's you know, a move that they had to make. Um, and when you've lost the support of those guys, I mean, I don't know. It just, it was very clear that it was time to make the move. And um, I, I like really doing it in season because, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, like the, the, the benefits to making a move in mid season far outweigh the, uh, the cons, I guess. Like there's really no con to, to doing it in the middle of the season. Yeah. It was already over. Yeah. And, and I mean, like something else to consider too, like obviously talking about like the, the standards of the program, the success it has, the NIL, that's all important too. But just from a simple like recruiting basis, one, like the national brand that Ohio state has is massive, right? Like, uh, you know, Ohio state, is the biggest school in the country for athletics, period. It's the biggest athletic department, the biggest fan base in America. Right. The Midwest is declining in a lot of ways, but not really in basketball talent. Uh, I think like 20% of the kids, the top 100 uh, for the 2024 class from uh, from 247 are either in the Midwest or from states adjoining Ohio, um, kind of Kentucky or PA. And then you don't even get into like the recruiting bases that we have in Georgia and Jersey and New York and all those places where there are a ton of Ohio State alums and a ton of Ohio State fans um, that are kind of open territory. Like there's a million kids that Ohio State can and should be signing uh, that will contribute to to success. Like it's, I'm not saying again that it has to compete with Kentucky and Carolina and Kansas and Duke. That's not my expectation, but. There are a lot of changing of the guards in basketball that have happened recently, right? You have, I mean, Coach K is gone. Roy Williams is gone. Uh, Jay Wright is gone. You know, there's a lot of these coaches who are, have been, you know, Jim Beheim, who have been like institutions in college basketball. Uh, Tom Izzo's not far away, who are either done or about to be done. And there is a big opportunity if you have the right coach to succeed in the modern landscape. We've seen that at a lot of programs. There are a lot of younger coaches who no one knew five years ago who are winning games, succeeding at a high level right now. 
Um, because also the sport has changed as well. It's not all about the one and done era right now. There's a lot of programs that are getting two or three year NBA guys that are giving continuity that are recruiting to a system. And Chris Holman didn't have a system. <laughs> he had right. no identifiable offense or defense. Like, what did he do? You know, yeah. like the, the offense was essentially, hey, let's get like one or two NBA guys per team and just give them the ball at the elbow and see what happens. That was his whole, that's why they often suck so bad in late games right. and always like poorly coached because they had no design. There was no flow to it. Well, it's, it's um, really weird because like, I, I agree with you schematically and like what he was doing, but his roster construction was actually like really good. Like I, I really like, I really liked like no good big man though. Really? That's right? true. That's true. Like yeah. you need, you need like one good big man, but the way that he realized before other teams did that, like the key to winning was in college, at least is like guard play and like having guards that can score and, and shit like that. Like that's kind of like what he went for early and he ended up with like Dwayne Washington. He got like Bruce Thornton and stuff like that. Like it's, it's not even the roster construction. I think the roster construction of this team is actually the best that it's been. Like if you look at it top to bottom and that's why it's so infuriating that like the team sucks so bad. Cause it's like, I, any coach, any good college coach should be able to win with this roster. It's insane that you can't win with this roster. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that there's like no discernible identity for what Ohio state is. Um, even when they have like good shooters, it's tough to get them the ball. Like the only one that I can think of that like could consistently consistently like get off a good, like three point thread as a jump shot was like Dwayne Washington. And he just like J.R. Smith. Yeah. Did. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, also sucked for a lot of his career. has been way, right. was way better in the NBA in brief moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's very frustrating to watch that team. It has been for a long time. Um, just the late game collapses, the entirely predictable January and February collapses. Like I had that tweet that I put out in what October. Oh yeah, it was perfect. That like people have been quote tweeting like six times a season, like, you know, since every year since, because you know exactly what's happening. Uh, it's the same method. He blames the young players first because it's expectations low. He'll get one quote unquote, like signature win, a Q1 or a high Q2 win. Uh, early in the year, they'll suck into January and February. They'll, they'll, you know, start getting a winning streak in like late February or March and recover expectations. Like, if they would have won this Purdue game with him, it would have started it, right? They oh my God, it would have been win. so funny. Yeah, they would have won like eight of the next twelve or something, and then gone to the Big Ten tournament. Like, I don't know, maybe Ohio State can make a run. They're kind of yep. hot right now. Yeah, can they find their way in on the bubble? Uh, and it's just a total joke. Well, like, it's, and it's, it's so it, it, predictable. It takes advantage of fan brain too, because like I fell victim to it with, with them beating Purdue. I'm suddenly looking at the record. I'm looking at who else is on their, on the schedule. And I'm like, Holy shit. They could win out. And then if they ended up like, like realistically, like they're playing a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. If they win out and end up in like the semifinals, it's like, well, that's suddenly a bubble team. But like, Obviously, that's not going to happen, and that's just fan brain. But like Chris Holtman seemed to just take advantage of that every single season because everybody's inclination is to want to be optimistic. Like you don't want to hate your team, and so it's yeah. like coming into March, it's like, yeah, I want a team to root for. Hell, last year when they were making the Big Ten tournament run, I was like, it'd be really cool if they won the Big Ten tournament and ended up in the NCAA tournament because I want something to watch in March, you know. But I don't know. It was it, but it was so clear that it was the right move. Um, it is the right move, especially because. Now Ohio state is early in the game. Every coach knows that this is an opening that exists. Ohio state can start shopping for coaches. Coaches can start looking around, putting things together. It is a best case scenario for Ohio state. It also gives Ohio state a chance to figure out what, it, what players are doing. Um, you know, just figure it, it gives them more time to figure things out instead of, if you made this change after the end of the season, when maybe other coaches are hired, other coaches have already accepted positions and stuff like that. Like there's just no downside to having, um, to doing this in the middle of the season. Like I, I know that Chris Holtman said that he was blindsided or whatever, which is bullshit by the way, because Jeff Goodman, who everybody knows is, um, like was Chris Holtman's like mouthpiece. Chris Holtman told him everything. He leaked every, all information to Jeff Goodman, he was the one to yeah. break the news that Chris Holtman got fired. So Chris Holtman's saying like, oh, it got to the media before I could even talk to my team. Buddy, whose fault is that? 
Like, you don't, it wasn't you Gene Smith him. that texted Jeff Goodman and said, I got fired. It was you. God. Yeah. Chris Holman so. also, I don't know how much fans know this, was the most like media aware rabbit. Oh my God. Seen. He's the most prolific name searcher of all time. If you are listening to this and you have tweeted a mean thing about Chris Holtman, he saw it. I he's guarantee you. Yep. He's probably listening to this podcast. I, I would not be stunned if he was listening to this podcast. Um, yeah. So all, all that to say, hello, Chris. I'm sorry that yeah. things didn't work out for you. I'm sure you're a very nice guy. I'm not. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one time, uh, me and my buddy Luke, who you guys have heard reference in this podcast many times, Went to go see Chappaquiddick in theaters at the Lennox, at, a, at AMC Lennox. And uh, we watched it with Chris Holtman and his wife. It was like six of us in the theater. It was me, I love two, that. two random women, and and uh, Chris Holtman and his wife. Yeah. Did you heckle him? Show. No, no, I didn't say anything. Mm. <laughs> I don't think we interacted with him at all. It was uh, it was right after I had retired temporarily from sports mm. training, so I was like, ah, no need to talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, fair. That's fair. I will say so like I, I I have been optimistic about like the way that they played against Purdue and it's like, oh, maybe like a head coaching change will just spark this team. Maybe they can make a run, maybe they can make the tournament. It would be I, I've I've heard this throating around in in the media and in like fans and stuff like that. Like the idea that Jake Diebler is auditioning for the, the head coaching job at Ohio State, that would be astronomically stupid. To a point that, like, there's just no way in hell Ohio State does that. You don't fire a coach and pay $14 million in his buyout to then just promote his highest assistant is the next head coach. Like, that's that's mind-blowingly dumb that people are even entertaining that possibility. Yeah, it doesn't happen. No. Uh, simply put, no. It's not an option. Uh, it can't happen. It won't happen. They won't consider it. They shouldn't consider it. Like, if there's anything we know from the combination of, like, look, Ted Carter hasn't been in office very long as Ohio State's president, but he has spent some fucking money. Like, that guy has thrown around money on coaching hires for football, uh, on, you know, getting Ross Bjork from A&M, on, like, apparently willing to be, like, winterizing the stadium for this, like, uh, winter classic coming up in a couple years with between the Jackets and the Red Wings. Um they're doing in the horseshoe, I should say. Uh, yep. They're doing a lot of things that indicate they're willing to spend money to get the right guy, like paying this buyout's part of it. Um, I have no reason to think they're not going to keep prioritizing athletics and to focus hiring, focus on hiring the right person uh, over saving money or being thrifty on like a G five or like a low level hire. You know, they're going to hire someone who I think is has a track record of success and can actually win and do something here. And I think that's the right thing to do, right? It's necessary. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. hundred percent. I, I yeah. saw, um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody who is generally aware of how college basketball works, uh, said something like Ohio state is not like Ohio state is going to hire a current head coach somewhere. Like this is a job that Ohio state is going to take somebody from somebody. Like this is not the sort of job where, an assistant is going to get promoted and like, they're going to hire somebody's assistant or something like that. Like Ohio state is going to take somebody's coach and they're going to leave their current yeah. program to come coach at Ohio state. Like that's, that's the state of Ohio state. Um, I think probably, I don't think the people who are um, suggesting uh, Sean Miller are far off. I think that that would probably be at the top of the list. And I think that he would certainly consider it. Um so I don't know. I like that. That's, that's the galaxy of coach that I think that it will end up being is a guy like Sean Miller, um, who, you know, is, is obviously has been there, has won in the tournament and stuff like that has plenty of experience and is kind of a proven guy. I like, I, I don't think that Ohio state's just going to kind of roll the dice on somebody who's a little less proven. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> I don't know. There have been a few names float out there. Obviously, Sean Miller is one of them. Uh, a name I've seen pop up that I think we would all love after his final four run last year, but I don't know if he's gettable, is Dusty May at Florida Atlantic. That'd be fun. Um, he is an Indiana alum, and it seems like, I think Bill Landis said this, and I've heard the same from like basketball people nationally, that uh, it seems like he might wait out Mike Woodson in Indiana, where everyone appears to be on the same page, that it's yep. probably not going to go that great yeah, that's much fair. longer. Yeah, 
Um, but I would be happy to hire him. Um, I don't know. Are there any other names you've seen out there that, that like, I, I've heard Chris Mack floating around the ex Xavier coach. Uh, I, I've heard that one too. I will say one that's been floated out there that I would, I'd probably stop watching Ohio state basketball is Chris Gent. Oh God. Yeah. He's an NBA assistant right now. Right. Yeah. Um, apparently the, the context of it was like, he's friends with LeBron and it would be like a hire to like get LeBron on, on, on Come to support on. Ohio state basketball. It's like, look, you know how to get LeBron's attention noted, noted Ohio state super fan, LeBron James, you know how to get his attention win. win. Yeah, you don't have to hire his friends. Simply win, and LeBron James will come. Was LeBron James friends with Thad Mata? No, but they won, and so he has a locker in the locker room. Like, come on, you just just win. Sim- simply win, and you can get his son. It's fine. Like, I, God, um, yeah, I, I would be furious if it was Christian. I don't know how seriously they will consider that, but I know that that was like a he was seen as like a quote unquote like rising star. Um, when he was at Ohio State a while ago, I I would be outraged if that's the direction that they went. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Ohio State basketball just exists to piss me off, and that's exactly what they'll end up doing. Um, but I have yeah. heard that name. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably. Who knows? I, I, I like um, <clears throat> a couple others. I do like uh, Anthony Grant, who's at Dayton. That's a solid uh, one, too. Been, yeah, he's been very successful there. He's also a Dayton alum. Um, so I don't know what that kind of looks like. They they had a tough break where they went 29 and two during the pandemic season, didn't get to play the tournament. Uh, but they're looking good this year. They're they're 19 and four. They've been a pretty solid program. I don't know if he rises that level. Um, yeah, regretfully, they, re- regretfully, Mick Cronin is an interesting one. Uh, I, I I I am. That's one of those where I like you. You ever form an? I, I know you do this. You ever form an opinion on something? And it ends up being like resoundingly incorrect, like years later, but you just refuse to admit that you're wrong and you just keep doubling and tripling down. Of course. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at with Mick Cronin, where like I hated him for so long and insisted that he was a horrible coach. And it's now been proven several times that I think I'm in the wrong there. Um, so I would have very mixed feelings if Ohio State brought in Mick Cronin because on one hand um, I, I I don't like him at all and I would be furious. But on the other hand, I would the, the, the on the head level, I would understand that that would be objectively a very good hire. So that's another name that I've heard thrown around. Yeah. Uh, what about, um, I mean, shit, Shaka smarts back on top. He's at Marquette. That'd be he, funny. He took that yeah. long road from VCU to Texas to Marquette. Didn't do very well at Texas, but Wonder if he's someone who gets a second crack at it. I don't know if I have any feelings about that. Um, yeah, TJ Olsenberger at, uh, at Iowa State has done really well. Yeah. Um, he made the Sweet 16 his first year. They look pretty good again this year. Um, I don't know. Greg McDermott, if we're throwing a lot, do you want to I've, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard that thrown around. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that's going to be real, not realistic. I'm not sure they're going to go in that direction. Um, I feel like that's too much of like a, a Chris Holtman esque hire. I don't. I yeah. think they're going to try to go a different way. Um, I've seen Lamont Paris thrown around, South Carolina head yeah, coach from South Carolina. He's good. Yeah. So there uh, there are options, but Fred, like Fred Hoiberg's doing pretty well at Nebraska. I don't know if they could get him or not, but yeah, he's also. I mean, mixed opinions on that one. I would say from a lot of people, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, he, but yeah, I, guys, I, oh, yeah, what are you going to say? No, I'd say Steve Lutz at Western Kentucky is like not that experienced. He's 52 and has three years as a head coach, but made the tournament back-to-back years at Texas A&M Commerce, mm. and that is doing pretty well at Western Kentucky. Um, Speaking of West Virginia, right. Bob Hug- Bob Huggins isn't doing anything. Give him a call. <laughs> yeah, he's well, definitely around. If you think <laughs> that guy is, it is around. Um, uh, I, I think I think he was he was in Columbus. Um, a few months ago, if you remember the, what, or, or at least, at least, that? at least he thought he was in Columbus, I think is what it was. I think he got yeah, that's right. pulled over and they asked in him Pittsburgh. where he was in Pittsburgh yeah. and they asked him where he was and he said, Columbus, Ohio. It's like, well, no, close, but <laughs> close. <laughs> um, got a little lost. It's not, a little lost, but not that far off. Yeah. Um, people like Princeton's head coach, right? Mitch Henderson. Yeah. Um, 
he played there, I guess. Probably can't get him. Um, but I, all that to say, like, I I am not, like, plugged in to the extent that I have any idea which of these guys Ohio State would end up or target. But, like, these are this is the realm of, like, these are the realm of guys that I think Ohio State is going to go after. Like, it's not just some rising star that you've never heard of or something like that or some assistant at, like, Duke or something like that. Like, they're going to target a current head coach who has a proven-ish track record of success who they think if you give him more resources, he could do better. So I, I, I think that's what we're going to end up looking at. I'm not sure this is going to be settled until like realistically after the NCAA tournament, like final four weekend or something like that. It's usually when you start to see these names pop um, after teams are eliminated and stuff like that. But uh, I think Ohio state's in a pretty good position to um, really you know, make a splash higher here. And I think, like you said, there's all indication that they're going to break the bank. I've also seen, I think there's this assumption that when Chris Holtman decided to leave Ohio state, that meant that all of the players that he recruited to Ohio state were also going to leave because out of like loyalty to him, I don't have any reason to believe that's true based on conversations that I've had with people. I'm not saying that they're all like blindly loyal to Ohio state and that they're going to stay no matter what, but I don't get the impression at all that the players were of the mind that if you get rid of Coltman, I'm gone. In fact, I think a lot of the players, especially a couple of the superstar players, I say superstar, maybe there's not superstars on Ohio state's roster, including a couple of the best players on Ohio state's roster that were about as frustrated as the fans were with the current regime at Ohio state. And so I'm not saying that those guys are automatically going to stay, but I would say that they um, are not automatically going to leave either. Like they're not just going to leave because Chris Holtman isn't there. So um, I, that is, that is what I will say on that situation and what I've heard. I'm not the most yeah, plugged in a- basketball insider or whatever, but, He's in a weird situation where he seems to recruit pretty well by all accounts. And I mean, the results are pretty good in recruiting, but does it feel like any of the players are coming here for anything to do with him? Like, is he just good at selling Ohio state as a concept? Yeah, I really, I really don't know. I I will say like by all accounts, every player that has played with him within reason, like, you know, you always have bad relationships with some players or it doesn't work out with some players. The vast majority of players who come to play for him do love him. Um, I think you saw that with like him announcing his retirement. There are a bunch of players that were like, you know, I owe whatever to you. Like I am excited. Like I was happy that you're my coach, whatever. Like, so like, he seems like a very likable person um, in terms of just like likability as a head coach. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, that, that's an interesting question. Like I'm, I'm not sure how much he is respected as like a basketball coach or, um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how much of that is just like, this guy's such a good guy that like, of course I want the best for him or he's such a great basketball coach that he changed my life sort of thing. Like I, I, I genuinely yeah. don't know. I'm not in the room, but, um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a super high transfer rate. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It is. It is odd that, uh, of the players who've left, almost all of them seem to have, uh, much better careers when they leave Ohio state than uh, they were ever seemingly going to have at Ohio state. So like Jaden Ladee is legit awesome over at uh, San Diego state now. Um, yeah. There were quite a few players who transferred out and did pretty well. From what I can yeah. Tell. Yeah. What, so. uh, maybe you know this better than me. What's the deal? So Eric Musselman has been floated as a candidate by some people nationally, but it seems like everyone close to Ohio state's it's a no go. As far as I can tell, this is because his dad had a beef uh, when he was the coach in 1972 with Ohio State, and like that's the family origin. Is that really why? I have no idea. I had not heard that one, but that would be hilarious if that was it. Just, just you My saying that sounds hilarious. Back in 1972, his dad had beef with Ohio State, and so Eric Musselman's not come. Like, that's very funny if that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, basically, I think. Eric Musselman's dad is Bill Musselman, who was the 
the Minnesota head coach in 1972 was a first year coach. And I guess they got in a huge brawl 50 years ago and Musselman's an Ohio native. And he was like, you know, really juicing them up to hate Ohio state or something. And that caused that fight. Um, I love that. And that's like the origin of this issue. But like, that seems so insane to actually impact Eric Musselman's candidacy. Who's been, you know, a pretty fucking good coach at Nebraska. I think they're having a tough season this year, but uh, uh, previously he's been a a very good coach there to my knowledge. I mean, he made the Elite Eight back-to-back years, made three straight Sweet 16s until this kind of uh, bummer of a season. He made a Sweet 16 at fucking Nevada. Like, he seems to be a very good coach, but I guess that relationship between his dad and Ohio State means he's not a candidate. Is that is that fucking actually possible? That'd be very funny. I, I like. I almost hope that that's true because that'd just be a hilarious reason to, for like somebody to not like. I, how could you hold a grudge that long? There's nobody even involved in the pro, remotely involved in the program that like would even remember that. God, but I. I mean, I guess yeah. some people hold grudges. Yeah, I don't know. He's a uh, he's had a wild career, dude. He was also the head coach of uh, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and China at different times. Uh, for different I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. In addition to working uh, for Nevada and Arkansas. You know, I will, I will say if you can win in that many different levels and that many styles of games with that many different players, like that just tells you that you're just a generically good basketball coach. You know, like I, I talk shit about coach K a lot, but like the fact that he was able to like go from coaching Duke to go to coach USA basketball, like that's impressive to me. Like those are two, they're almost two different sports. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I, I applaud guys who can do that. That's like, it'd be like just parachuting from the CFL to college football to the NFL and then going coach pop Warner and shit like that. Like it's a completely different brain. And I, I applaud that. That's awesome. Yeah. But so, like, if you look at like a Lance Lightfold at, and football, right. Yep. Like some, like, some guys are just winners. Like he can well, yeah, I mean, D three to yeah. Uh, and I love Lance Leipold too. Like it's it's not um, not definitely not like a a, a common thing. And he's just a I don't know. Yeah, those guys cool are just they're rare. Happens, though. Yeah, yeah. Like some of those guys, I think like Chris Kleiman's another one of them. Uh, Ryan the, Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, who went to yeah. up at Washington. Like there are just some guys who find a way to succeed just by every level of coaching football. Uh, Jeff, when it's, another one, and then kind of what's really, up. I think that's, that's cool. Yeah. What's really weird is those guys, I feel like very rarely get to like the pinnacle either, even though they like could, um, I think Kalen DeBoer is probably like the closest cause he just got hired at Alabama on accident. Um, but like usually those guys like, like Leipold just kind of like hang out. It's it. some longer. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd, uh, there's something to that. Someone's just one everywhere. I don't know. I, I mean, the muscle, like if that, if truly honest, and maybe look, there's a, a real possibility here. You and I can both admit we're not really basketball insiders. We don't really have any oh, insight no. into the program's relationships, but if the entire story behind Eric Musselman not being a candidate at Ohio state is that his dad started a fight 50 years ago before he was alive or when he was like a, a child, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like when no one currently at Ohio State or has any connection to Ohio State was involved, and there's no living memory of the event. Right. If that's actually the real true story, that's insane. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I also, uh, here's a fun fact uh, he played on the. Same high school football team. Uh, let me double check this really quick. Uh, no, sorry. Eric Musselman played on the same high school basketball team as Tom Tupa. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they apparently had three pro athletes at Brexville Broadview Heights High School on the same basketball team. That is also fascinating. Who played in the NBA. Yeah. Huh. Who knew? Yeah. Um, you know what else has three pro athletes working for it currently is meetatmidfield.com. Uh, <laughs> that's our website, Kevin. Yeah, yeah uh, it is. We, we write about Ohio State football and basketball, write about national football. Uh, myself and Patrick have the Flipping the Field podcast, which covers national college football and 
Um, you know, me and Kevin, obviously, this podcast, as you're listening to, uh, there are premium episodes of both available. Uh, this one every week, every other week of Flipping the Field. Uh, we have premium articles, the best message board in college football. All of this is available to you if you subscribe to midfield.com, which you should do. Um, I think if you're hearing this today, we still have the last day available of the code LOVERS, uh, which gets you your first month for only six bucks. If that is not the case and that code has expired and I forgot about it, just tweet at me at B1G underscore Ryan <laughs> and I will send you a new code uh, to get signed up. You can get a discount for your first secret month. Secret code. Right yeah, secret code. I'll make a secret code just for you uh, to get you started. Um, but we would love to have you guys come join and, and come boogie with us. Um, Kevin, we should also mention that we have a sponsor, don't we? You want to tell people about the sponsor? Oh, man, do I ever. If you are in the market for some quality vintage-inspired collegiate apparel. Maybe you want to support a team in March Madness that is not the Buckeyes because they're not going to be there. Maybe you just want to look good as we're like transitioning from the winter months to the spring months. I will tell you that Home Field Apparel has you covered. They're our friends, and not only are they our friends, they make some incredible clothing pieces. It's the softest shirts and sweatshirts you can find. Um, and it looks good, too. I love their... I mean, their whole Ohio State collection is awesome. Really, their collections for pretty much everywhere are awesome. Um, regretfully, even their Michigan collection looks really cool, too. Um, it's it's good stuff. We wear it. Uh, it is perfect for the, like... I don't know. You all We're approaching, like, peak hoodie season. I feel like fall and spring are both, like, peak hoodie season where you need, like, a nice little sweatshirt because you never know what the weather is going to be like from, like, day to day or even hour to hour. So if you are looking for a nice uh, Ohio State sweatshirt, head on over to homefieldapparel.com, and if you are making your first purchase from Home Field Apparel, you can use the code MEET at midfield for 15% off your first order. If you are not making your first purchase, I'm sorry, you're shit out of luck. You can't use the code, but you can... <laughs> Put in the comments uh, that we sent you, and they will like us about two percent more. Yeah. So, they're also, I mean, like this is really cool to see. They're expanding so much and having so much success. They're doing new kinds of sports too. So, like, the core of it's still obviously collegiate apparel, but they have like Colts gear now. Uh, they did Day- Daytona 500 gear. If you like racing, uh, they had a lot of gear around racing stuff. So it was cool stuff. The Daytona 500 really cool stuff, stuff was really yeah. cool. Yeah, I don't follow NASCAR, so I don't know jack shit about it. But just to me, visually, it looks Neither cool. do I. It just looked cool, yeah. That's yeah. that's but my take on it. Of course, I live in New York City, so I see a lot of guys who, like, don't know what, like, a wrench is, but love to wear NASCAR gear. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a classic, guys. That for you, for you guys who aren't pros in the business, that's something that's been a nice little wheelhouse joke for every podcaster since, like, 2013 is, oh, what about guys in Brooklyn who wear Carhartt, huh? What about that? <laughs> Uh, that still hits every time. So you yeah. guys, <laughs> any of you nascent podcasters out there, that's a cheap shot. We we can always use that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love yeah, that. Home field's cool. Buy, buy their stuff. Subscribe to me to midfield. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, go box, et cetera. Um, Kevin, we also had some football news, which is our usual wheelhouse this podcast. Yeah. Um, James Laurinaitis is the 10th assistant at Ohio State for the season. What are your thoughts? Just, just sigh, I guess. Just, I don't know. It's yeah. if, if you would have told me before the season started, I, I, I guess that's my big thing. If you would have just told me before the season started how everything would have shaken out and that James Laurinaitis was promoted as the linebackers coach, I would have said that makes perfect sense, and I'm happy that it happened. Like you know, like it, it, it and it did. It, it, it did make perfect sense for months. It did. Um, I, I think we just talked all last week about the realistic possibility that Ohio State was gonna end up with, you know, a somebody who's going to really add something on the defensive side of the ball, possibly somebody that was going to come in and help on the defensive line and maybe be a heir apparent of Larry Johnson. And that didn't happen. So it's, it's one of those things of like, this is a fine outcome, but I got my hopes up for something else. And maybe that's on me, but this is like, at the end of the day, if I didn't get my hopes up, I would have been excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this, like we did this a little more detail whenever like it became clear that Jason Taylor wasn't coming to Ohio state, that they had tried to thread the needle too delicately. They were looking for 
like their path they thought would work was hiring a co-D line coach to work underneath Larry Johnson for their year or two before he retires. That would be awesome if there weren't only like two or three candidates in the country that would take that deal. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, the they, they thought that they were going to get one of them. And like, I, I, I do understand, like it is frustrating that it didn't happen, but I understand the inclination if you're like, holy shit, this might work out perfectly. Like this might be the perfect yeah. scenario and you think you have it in front of you. And then the rug gets pulled out under you. I think, but, I don't know. But here's the thing though. Like after you knew that was the case and before you hire James Laurinaitis, there was the whole window where the players who signed to Ohio State already enrolled on campus. Like everyone except Dom Kirks that signed with Ohio State's defensive lineman is already on campus. Uh, you also have the fact that all of these players who committed to come back for this year have already missed the NFL draft deadline. They've all already signed their NIL paperwork. So they're going to have to, what, like if they want to leave, they're going to pay back money to Ohio State. You know what I mean? Like, what's up? Uh, like you, these players for this season are already locked in. They're here. They could leave in the spring portal, some of them, sure. But like the deals are already in ink. Uh, that's their call. They want to do it. But these players are, I mean, a lot of these guys that came back to Ohio state, I'm not going to tell you exact numbers, but they got some hefty checks that I don't think they want to pay back. And I don't know how much they'll get elsewhere or, or like if Ohio state wouldn't match it, there was a window where you could have said, all right, Larry, thanks for finishing up the year. And thanks for getting those guys to come back. Now hit the bricks. Let's like stay on as an analyst if you want to, but let's go hire a real right. like, a defensive line coach. And then also hire James Laurinaitis. That's be, that'd be fine too. Right. I don't have no problem with that. But like, I think sticking with like Larry Johnson and the internal hire of Laurinaitis was kind of the, it was kind of the worst option they had this cycle. And that worst option is still like probably a B or a B minus right. in terms of outcomes. But it's just not maximizing. Like I, I think Laurinaitis, who knows? He, we don't know at all if he's a good coach or not. We have no idea. We do know he's a good recruiter and getting him involved with any player who's like even borderline to play edge. Like if he's a Jack or a defensive end, that's great. Lauren, yeah. I can recruit those guys that takes him off Larry's plate. Larry basically just recruit true defensive ends and defensive tackles. That's fine. Or recruit guys in the state of Ohio, let Lauren, I do a lot of work outside of it. That's a benefit. Uh, obviously Jim Knowles is not much of a recruiter. Having someone else to go on the road and recruit the linebackers themselves is great. Cause Ohio state's going to sign a, I think reasonably sized linebacker class seems like three or four guys in this class. Um, that's cool. But I don't know. I don't know. It would have been, it would have been better to have a real defensive line coach over Laurinaitis, you know, or with Laurinaitis. I think he's going to be a very, very good recruiter and obviously has a big reputation. He's a very active guy and a hard worker. Like I think there's definitely huge upside to Laurinaitis. I'm not saying he will be a bad coach. I just think the process to get here could have been better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I completely agree. And that, that's kind of what I meant by just like, if if you would have just told me this result in like the end of January, like I just looked at this coaching staff and like, this is what it like pooped out at the end. And I just saw the result. I'd be happy with the result. Um, I'm not necessarily happy with the way that they arrived at it. And I think that they could have arrived at a better result if they had a better process, but at the end of the day, like, I think they'll be fine going forward. They did give Larry Johnson a two-year extension, though. Did they not? Yes, which no one believes. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't either. I don't think, it, like, it, it is it is telling that nobody believes that, but, like, Yeah, come on. The recruiting got, like, no disrespect to some of our friends who cover recruiting, but these guys were like, oh, this is a big deal for recruiting. You can now tell prospects that Larry's definitely going to be on campus till the end of their first season. Until wow, him or Ohio that? State say, like, yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's going to be a huge deal. Wow, you're only going to lose your coach, you know, uh, eight months in instead of two months right. in. That's, that's, that's got to be massive. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, come on. Look, that's horseshit. It doesn't matter. No, no, I don't think any recruit is going to the level of looking at assistant coaching contracts. It's total bullshit. Yeah. They look at whether yeah. a guy's fired or not. That's it. That's the story. Yeah. Like they don't look at whether or not a guy might, you know, you know, not be able to renew his deal in a year and a half. Like no one gives a fuck about that. Right. right. And like, it's a two year. It's not a five year contract. It's a two year contract. Right. 
Yeah, and Ohio State Ohio State just bought a basketball coach out of a $14 million contract, too. What's, whatever they're going to pay Larry for a year, if it's remaining on his contract, they'll buy him out, too, if they want to fire him. Like, it's not a big deal. So, I don't know. Yeah. That I, I, I did just think it was funny, though, like, just... After after how much that I've pushed for Larry Johnson to retire, they went ahead and gave him a two year contract. Maybe that's just me looking for things to be mad at, but um, it was it was at least funny. But I don't know. I, I am I am fine with Laurinaitis. I don't think I, I I I like conceptually him being a recruiter and them having a full defensive staff. Like you said, all of the people just assuming that he is going to be slash is a actual good linebackers position coach. There's, there's simply no way of knowing that like no way at all. There's no evidence of that. Maybe he's going to be a great coach. I sure hope so. But all of the like blind reactions of like, Oh, this is a huge get for Ohio state. It's like, I, I don't know that. I know that he'll probably do well at recruiting, but like, I don't know. I, 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 I am, Largely excited about the move. I think it's great. I like the idea of bringing all else equal, bringing on an alum, especially someone like James Laurinaitis, like a, a like a legendary guy like that uh, that can sell the program that sort of way. But again, there's there's no actual evidence that he is a good position coach yet. Doesn't mean he couldn't be, but like, I don't know. Um, but I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fine. Like, I think they'll get a good linebacker class. I think Jim Knowles will still have that's precise yeah. to make this. That's the other thing is it matter. is if if it's like a collaboration and Jim Knowles is actually still like effectively the linebackers coach. Like even if he sucks as a linebackers coach and he is just like a great recruiter, that's fine because Jim Knowles doesn't recruit. And so if they kind of work yeah. in tandem together with the linebackers and that's just what they do, I'm perfectly at peace with that. That's fine with me. Yeah, I think the part that, that that just sucks here is like you're going into a championship or bust season where you have no idea if anyone involved with your defensive front can coach at all. That's a big deal. Yeah. Or your offensive line coach, for that matter. Yeah. Like the trenches are where you win championships. Yeah, that is. And I don't have faith that Larry Johnson can maximize Ohio State's D line. I don't know anything about what you know James Rice is going to do with the high school yeah. linebackers, and I don't know if Justin Fry is any good. So I, I will I will say, at least I don't like with what Ohio State's returning on the defensive line. I'm fairly confident that it will not be worse. Yeah, yeah, and so I think the defensive line was probably good enough for them to reach their goals last year. I don't think the defensive line was the problem. Was it like a game-breaking, like set the tone defensive line? Well, no. But even at its worst, the rest of the defense was so good and is going to be so much better next year that I'm not really worried about that. The offensive yeah, line still something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The offensive line skills. Or the offensive line still scares the shit out of me. You're right about that. I don't know if Justin Fry can coach. I'm pretty sure he can't recruit at this point. Um, so I, I am a little bit nervous about that. Um, but I don't, I don't think that like the defensive line, it can't be worse, right? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I mean, everyone who is a real contributor except Mike Hall is back. Yeah. That's good. And like, and, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't bad last year. I'm not saying like, it can't be worse as in like, it was a horrific last year. I don't think it was like the strength of the team, but it was, it was fine. Yeah, but I guess the thing is, like, if if your lines are just fine, like, Ohio State's lines played well enough against Michigan, it's just that they're, I I think their play calling fucked them. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd argue the offensive line kind of shit the bed several times. Fair enough. Fair enough, but I think it did better against you know uh, not allowing pressure than than Alabama or Washington did, who are both, like, triple finalists. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I think that and I think the O line will improve based on current acquisitions they've just made, and mm-hmm. like just uh, straight up personnel. Yeah, yeah. D line. I don't know. Like, are they going to rotate this year? Or are they going to like do anything? Who knows? Players fresh? Are they going to like? Do different God, I hope so. That was infuriating. When when I think it was uh, the Michigan State. Or no, it was uh, the Penn State game. When Jack Miller and um, uh, JT Tuomalo. 
Jack Sawyer. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah Jack Miller. That'd be funny. Um, yeah. That's definitely not the first time I've said that. Uh, Jack Sawyer and JT2 Malala played, maybe it was Notre Dame, they played every snap of the game on defense, and people were, like, praising it. It's like, oh, those guys are so tough. It's like, they shouldn't have to do that. Like, well, No, it's an insane choice. Yeah. Like, that, that's great that they could do it and, like, remain, like, kind of effective down the stretch, but, like, what? What? You have these guys playing 100-plus snaps in a game? My God, I, that better not happen next year. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would lose my mind if it did. I um, I don't know. I, I just think, like, if you're looking to win a championship and you're ruthlessly improving everywhere else, but your standard for the two most important positions on the field besides quarterback are, well, it's probably good enough. I just don't, don't love that mindset. That's my, that's my life. Yeah. That is a big enough deal to undo everything else you've done. Yeah. I mean, it it is very funny that, like, the criticism of Ryan Day the entire time he's been a coach is like, well, the trenches suck. Like every year it's just like rinse, repeat, like, well, the trenches suck. Well, the trenches suck. Well, the trenches suck. And then we're just like really excited about everything that Ohio state has. They're like next level stacked at pretty much every position, but the trenches still kind of suck. So yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally right. It's, it, it is just every, every year he just like seems to outdo himself with like, making everything else as good as possible. But the trenches still suck. Yeah. 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 Um, We'll see. I see more upside for Justin Fry. I'll say that. Like, I think having play calling that suits his O-line coaching. Well, and a guy who knows him too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's that mix of Fry, Day, and Kelly. I think it's great. Than anything they've had previously. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, I think the, the whole, like, I, I think we've mentioned that Ryan Day and Chip Kelly do not run identical offenses. I think they're from the same tree, but their offenses are like, they're actually pretty substantially different in what they do schematically, yeah. especially in the run game. And so I think Fry is much more suited to like a Chip Kelly offense than a Ryan Day offense. And so if you put yeah. Chip Kelly in the middle there and he can kind of be like a mediator and like a translator almost, I, I feel like that's going to be a, a happy marriage. It didn't need to be a marriage. It needed to be a thruple is I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll fall. We'll find out. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot to, to determine between now and November when the chips are down, or I guess in October against the Oregon. That's where we're going to learn a lot. I, uh, yeah. I'm doing a lot of roster analysis right now on on media midfield. I'm kind of building out. This is an insane project, but I'm trying to build out basically eligibility charts for like the top 25 or 30 programs in college football and track every guy they have on scholarship, returning production. Mm-hmm. Basically, I don't like the returning production statistics that are done by like the 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 big algorithms out there. Your your SP pluses, your beta rank, your your you know FEIs. I don't think they're very good. Um, and I'd like to sort those out, and then you know I, I guess kind of identify uh, other ways to do it: returning starters, you know, contributors from G five levels joining P five teams. Just kind of different ways to look at that. I'd like to kind of sort all that out and figure out how it works. So. I'll be doing more of that kind of see Ohio, how Ohio State stacks up for next year. So we'll find out. Um, Kevin, you and I are going over to the premium podcast. We're going to answer some questions for me at midfield subscribers. Um, so if you guys are a subscriber, uh, we will see you on that half of the podcast very shortly. Um, if you are not a subscriber, you should join and sign up. Uh, that code is lovers for $6 off, I believe. And again, if you, um, if I don't, is that still active? Just message me. I'll get you a new one. Um, but uh, come join us and listen to the premium half of the episode. We'll see you there.